That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin with teammate Aliyah Kamalova. Welcome to The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice for women so you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. On today's episode, we're discussing fear and the role it plays with the internal narrative you tell yourself and the impact it can make on your decision-making process. To help us understand fear a bit more, we've turned to one of our favorite experts, Kia Myers-Dugan, a life and career coach, as well as a career contestant coach. We'll be discussing two things on today's episode. One, what are fear-based thoughts along with their short and long-term impact? And two, Kia's three tips for confronting these thoughts. We also want to thank our listeners for the reviews on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews help our show so much. I don't know if you guys know that, but they really help us get more exposure. And then even because of that, Apple will suggest our show when people are looking for, you know, shows about careers and work and so much more. So I just thought it would be fun to read a recent review that we got. The name is Beauty by Frankie, who said, I don't like podcasts and I subscribed to Career Contessa emails a couple years ago. I keep seeing the email in my inbox, but never really paid attention. I forced myself to listen to one by putting it on my to-do list. You guys know how that goes and ended up blocking all calls and listening to three in a row, making a folder on my laptop for the podcast notes to download and sending it to empowered women. This is gold and just so perfect in a COVID time. I highly recommend it. We love this story, Beauty by Frankie. I I always love when people maybe didn't even know we had a podcast and now they're listening to it. So thank you so much for sharing that in a review. And if you guys haven't left a review for the show already yet, please consider doing us that huge favor. All right, enough asking for favors. Now let's get to the show. This is The Females. Hi, Kia. Welcome to The Females. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Let's start by first just introducing you and, you know, who Kia is, but also can you briefly describe what you do as a life and career coach? I think people have heard of career coaches, but I I love that you call yourself a life and career coach. Yeah. So the life part is important because so much of who we are is brought into our jobs. And so when there are things that are bugging us about our careers, it is helpful to take a more holistic approach and look at the influences in our personal lives, our thoughts, our fears, sometimes our upbringing, and look at how that is causing us to make decisions or to not make decisions. So that works. It folds in very nicely to my 
to my coaching and helping people get past their fears so they can create a vision for what it is that they want to do in their life or career, and then breaking down that vision into actionable steps so they can move forward. Mm -hmm. And you guys, just so you know, Kia's background is that, of course, she's a career coach, but you also were a marketing executive. Like you've done all the things, I feel like. (laughs) (laughs) I have, I have, and it folds in and influences everything that I do from a coaching perspective. Yeah, like you've actually been in a workplace, (laughs) been an executive, had to manage people. I think that's always important, especially uh, for career coaches if you guys are looking for someone. And I love that you mentioned the life part because I know, Kia, you and I have had had lots of conversations where sometimes it feels like people want to treat career coaches like they're a crystal ball. And it's like, mm-hmm. if I can change my career, then things in my life will change. And you you guys know this, but all of this stuff is intertwined together. So I think you made a, a really good point there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to that point, Lauren, I did that in my career. I was chasing titles. I was chasing companies and brands thinking, this is going to be the thing that makes me happy. This is going to be the thing that changes my career and the way I feel about it. And it wasn't until I started working with my own life coach where I was able to see, oh, so that's why these things aren't working out. It is a really important distinction that you have to connect with what's going on in your life in order for your career to be fulfilling. I kind of wanted to get into the topic of today's episode, which is very related to what you were saying. So this episode was inspired by a popular article on our site called The Gift of Fear, Why I Think Every Woman Should Read This Book. And we'll link to that in the show notes. In it, the author, Elise Bia, has a few key takeaways she's learned from the book. A few of those are trusting your instincts slash listening to your inner voice, how fear is different than worry or anxiety, and embracing the power of saying no. How have you seen these themes show up with the work that you do, especially when it comes to women and work? So I just want to say a resounding yes to all of that. I mean, all of those things are so alive and so present for people um, in their career. So it comes up a lot in coaching. The one point that Elise said that really stuck out to me was when she was talking about embracing the power of no. Mm -hmm. And she talked about giving soft or flimsy no's because she didn't want to seem rude. And that is so, so common. People, and I will say men and women alike, maybe men a little bit less, but I've seen it come up in men, but women especially, where they hold back on saying no because they don't want to look like, in particular in the workplace, because they don't want to look like they're not a team player. They don't want to seem ungrateful. They don't want to look like they're mean or a jerk or maybe like they can't handle things, right? And I'm using air quotes here. And there is so much power in being able to create boundaries and letting people know that you are not falling for everything or that you physically can't do everything. And, you know, as a manager, when you're trying to do all the things and saying yes to things, but not delegating to your team, well, that's a signal that your management skills are lacking. So there really is a lot of power and career advancement that is connected to being able to say no. You know, you don't want to be a doormat. Yeah. I'm curious, whenever you see this, you know, with your clients or they have this hesitation of like, 
giving a firm no. Mm-hmm. Do you find that it's often from like coming from a place of like, I was kind of burned bad with a similar situation in the past? Or is it kind of like a, I can think of a million future outcomes where this doesn't go my way. And you just have like that worry come up from there. Do you see it both yeah. ways or? I see it both ways, but it's more of the latter mm-hmm. of being worried about the outcomes. Yeah. Which we'll get into a little bit later, but being worried about, you know, what does this mean if I say no? What, yeah. you know, am I going to get in trouble? Will people not want to work with me? You know, will I not get the raise or the promotion? I mean, if there's a lot of fear that's rooted in the no, whether or not you will say no. So yeah, there's a lot that's baked into that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's interesting how like such a small word, you know, no, it has so it, like carries such heavy weight with it. <laughs> yeah. I once got advice, someone said, just figure out how to say no without actually saying the word no. <laughs> and You know, you're just getting more clever, but I get it. it. It's finding also sometimes a comfort zone with that. I actually want to dive a bit deeper on how a person can tell if something is based in fear versus anxiety or worry. I could definitely see people reading those things like incorrectly. What's your advice on and, and how you can know if it's fear or if it's anxiety and worry? Maybe this is from all my time working with therapists and working with other coaches, but fear a lot of times is the precursor to worry and anxiety. Fear is usually the trigger, right? There is something that, you know, that you're thinking is going to happen in the workplace as a result of the no or as a result of a decision that you make. And and that fear we take on as being a feeling of life-threatening. And I'm pretty sure that unless you are a firefighter, a construction worker, electrician, someone that's doing a dangerous job, right? Probably a decision that you make in the workplace is not going to be life-threatening. But just thinking about all of those outcomes and the fear of the outcomes is what brings up that anxiety that, you know, I like to call it futurizing or catastrophizing, where you're thinking about all the worst case scenarios. And there's an acronym that is, you know, that floats around in the atmosphere of what fear stands for. It's false evidence appearing real. And people take that fear and, you know, almost manifest it, right? Because you have conjured up this image that then brings about all the worry and the hand-wringing and the anxiety and the sleepless nights when really you have just created this scenario in your head instead of taking action and moving forward. And so, you know, my guidance on that, which, you know, we'll get into a little bit later, but my guidance on that is to really name the fear first. When you can name the fear and stop that hand wringing and, you know, kind of catastrophizing, when you can do that, it makes the fear less powerful. It makes it less big. And then from there, then you can start going into, okay, well, if this happens, then I can do this. If that happens, I can do this, or that's how I'll respond. But only until you can name what the fear is, can you then do something about it and stop spinning your wheels on it. 
Mm, that's really good. I, yeah, you have to be able to name it in order to then figure out your game plan for mm-hmm. it, right? Otherwise, it's just this huge looming thing yeah. that makes a lot of sense. The, the analogy that I like, Lauren, not to interrupt you, but the analogy that I love to share is think about when you go to the doctor's office. If you go to the doctor's office and say, I don't feel good. But then when the doctor says, well, what doesn't feel good and tell me more about it. And you just are still in that, like, you know, that high position of the pain that you're feeling. Right. So if you can't name specifics with the doctor, then the doctor cannot give you a treatment plan. They can't prescribe medicine. They can't decide what tests to give so that you can get to the root of it. That is, that's how I like to equate it to this fear piece. If you don't know what the fear is, then you can't start taking steps to alleviate it or to address it. Yeah. It's definitely a step one for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. So up next, Kia will share three tips for overcoming your fear-based thoughts. Let's take a quick break to talk about your budget. I know, I know it's a stressful time to think about money, but luckily I have a tool to set you up for financial success. It's called You Need a Budget. And let's face it, we all need a budget. You Need a Budget is unlike any other financial tool or budgeting app that you've used in the past because it's designed to help you actually succeed at budgeting. I know, shocking, right? You Need a Budget teaches you their four cardinal rules to finally succeed at budgeting so that you can prioritize your budget to work for you and your unique needs. One of my favorite rules on You Need a Budget that just is naturally worked into the app is they really encourage you not to spend money until it's at least 30 days old. They call these like grown-up dollars. So not only is this app really simple and easy to use, but these are really unique budgeting tools and methods that you haven't heard over and over again. If you've been thinking about budgeting, you know, this is definitely something that you have not tried before, I promise you. In fact, most new budgers save more than $600 in their first month and $6,000 in their first year using You Need a Budget. That's enough money to give a little peace of mind and spend your time and energy on your passions instead of your bank balance. Join the thousands of budgeters who have changed their lives using You Need a Budget and sign up for a free 34-day trial at youneedabudget.com slash females. So here's the best budget-friendly part. And this is why I love this brand because you just tell this is part of who they are. They don't even ask you to give a credit card. So there's no credit card required in order to get your free 34-day trial. So again, that's youneedabudget.com slash females, F-E-M-A-I-L-S, to start your 34-day trial for free, no credit card required. You need a budget, the money management tool that changes lives. All right, now let's get back to the show. All right, Kia, your first tip is to get clear on what you're afraid of. So how do you start with that? And what is just the importance of that? I know we kind of talked about it earlier, but how do you start with that? Before I get to how to start with that, let's call in what's actually happening when you are getting into thinking about taking action on your fear. A lot of times our fears just have us in kind of this mental spin cycle, right? Where we think about that trigger and then we just stay in that. And, you know, I mentioned that earlier about catastrophizing. You just stay in that spinning your wheels but you don't get out of that. You don't bring it down to the ground or down to paper. And we just keep replaying it 
over and over again. And those fears never see the light of day. So in the step of getting clear on what you're afraid of is to physically stop the spin cycle, like stop yourself when you feel like when the wheels are turning, I think of Tasmanian devil, right? When you just like, when those wheels are turning in your brain to just stop yourself and say, okay, even if you have to say that out loud, right? Like, okay, stop. What exactly is going on here? What exactly am I afraid of? And write it down. By writing it down, it makes it real, not like it's going to happen, but it gets out of the spin cycle and you can see it on paper. And oftentimes when you see it on paper, then you're like, oh, this is what I was afraid of? Like this, nope, this isn't even a thing. It's not a thing. And so sometimes that is what moves it off your plate right away. But in the event that it doesn't, when you can see it on paper and name, okay, this is the thing that is making me anxious about this. This is the thing that has me worried or overwhelmed or stuck or spinning my wheels. That is the first step to starting to move past the fear and move into actions or solutions. I'm nodding my head because <laughs> I do this spin and I'll call my mom and she says it to me. She's like, you need to calm down. You're in a, like, uh, she always calls it a cycle. And part of, I can tell I'm in it because I'll need to talk about it. I'll like talk about it a lot. Right. And so I always call it venting, but really it's, it's sort of my way of processing in a really selfish way. Cause I'm talking about it with other people versus <laughs> writing it down. So like, I'm the reason why I'm nodding your head is I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is me in a nutshell. I doubt I definitely do that. And, and there is, I will also say like, if that's your go-to, you sort of train yourself to feel like that's the only way you can calm yourself down. Mm -hmm. So this is really important because you can break that habit and replace it with a good habit yeah. for sure. Yes. You know, the, the important thing to say about that is that, you know, our brains kind of get on this, you know, our brains, the beginning of time, this is how our brains are set up. And so we're automatically in that kind of negativity bias, but you can break that even though that is, that is physiology, you can create new pathways by just taking a different action or choosing a different thought. Mm -hmm. That's another part of breaking that cycle. You're breaking that automatic programming and saying, okay, I'm going to go a different direction on this. Yeah. And in case you guys want to learn more about negativity bias, we did talk about that in episode, I can't remember the number, but it was uh, train your brain to have a growth mindset. Yeah. And Kristen Evanson talked about mm -hmm. that. That's a really good point. All right. So your second tip is to consider the outcomes before taking action. So what does that look like? This is very simply having your side-by-side your -side list after you've kind of written everything out, your side-by-side -side list of what are the best things that could happen and what are the worst things that can happen. And what's important to say here is that, you know, a lot of times people just want to react and jump, right? But especially in where we are right now, which is how crazy life is because of COVID, you know, there are some basic needs that we have to get met, right? We have to be able to put food on the table. We have to be able to have shelter over our heads. And so the reaction that you want to have, which could be quitting a job or something like that, that may not be the safest thing for you to do. 
So I just, I like to give that caveat when you're kind of doing your side-by-side list of the outcomes, but just going back to the step of being able to see what you can do if you were to make a decision, if you were to take a step, being able to see these are all the great things that could happen. These are all the things that aren't so great that could happen. And that's that negativity bias, right? Because automatically, without having any kind of list in front of you, automatically, we go to the worst case scenarios. And those worst case scenarios, because our brains want to keep us safe, those worst case scenarios are, you know, the saber toothed tiger that's going to come after you, right? That's the thing that's going to like kill you. Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. Right. But Although in well, 2020, listen, anything is possible. At this point, we don't know anything. <laughs> I mean, it's like everything is off the table. As people are saying, that wasn't on my 2020 bingo card. <laughs> but that being said, you can draft a list of what could go really well about this and what may not go so well. But then you know what you can, you can prepare yourself for what's next. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're making these lists, how do you like, prevent yourself from, again, spiraling? Because I feel like that's kind of like the, whenever you have sort of unorganized thoughts about something that you're mm. fearful of, that's what you're thinking of all the worst things. Like you're mentioning the negativity bias of it all. Just constantly thinking of like 20 immediate reasons why this could just backfire on you. How do you sort of, in an organized, like mindful way, make two lists? Like how do you address the good and the bad without just being like, but the bad's probably going to happen. And then like kind of getting back into that cycle. From a purely mechanical sense is setting a timer for yourself, setting an alarm so that you have that physical reminder to say, okay, stop, like pencils down, you know, like think when you're taking like ACT and SAT, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was pencils down and you like, you couldn't even finish your thought. Too bad, too sad, right? Same with this. If you are prone to the spiraling, set a timer. Okay, you've got, you've got five minutes to write out every possible worst case scenario. Start there, right? Because that's probably the one that's most readily available. And then set another timer. Okay, you've got five minutes to come up with all the best case scenarios. It may not be a complete list, but it's the thing that gets you started and helps you to organize your thoughts. And then after that timer has gone off, then go back and look at what you have and see if that captures everything. But I think having that physical, like ding, ding, yeah. ding of, oh, okay, stop, can be the thing that helps you to not spiral. I wish I remembered who this was from, but a therapist gave an advice of, if you find yourself like constantly worrying, just like about everything, to just give yourself 15 minutes of worry time a day and just go crazy with your worries for 15 minutes but once that's over, yeah. like move on. Yeah. Move on. But just allow yourself yes. free yeah, reign. I have, <laughs> yeah, bit. I have heard that too. And I remember Lauren, a webinar that you guys did with Dr. Sasha Hines, right? And she talked about how our emotions, which spiraling is wrapped up in that, but our emotions last for 90 seconds, right? So if you need 90 seconds mm-hmm. to just be in that, be in it, right? Like yeah. I am not you know, as a coach, I always encourage my clients to let the emotions ride themselves out. Like don't try to push past it because what you resist persists. And so if you don't deal with the pain, if you don't deal with the fear, that thing, whatever that thing is that's in the way, it will come back. 
it will come back. So let it have its place. Let it run its course. Let it tell you or send whatever message it needs for you to hear uh, because there's wisdom in that, right? It's, we see those emotions as negative sometimes and emotions are not good or bad. It's what, how we ascribe judgment to them. And so just seeing it as neutral, having a beginner's mind about it, just to say, okay, let me just, what is this here to teach me? But letting it have its moment and then moving on. Hey listeners, I want to take a quick break to let you know about Career Contessa's online courses. We have a variety of online courses that cover a range of topics. Need help revamping your resume? We got you covered with our 24-hour resume makeover course. What about if you're interested in making a career transition? Yep, we have that too. It's called the Career Transition Roadmap. Need help owning your first 90 days as a new manager? Mm-hmm. We have a course for that too. It's called the New Manager Manual. You can learn more about all of our online courses by going to careercontessa.com backslash courses, and we'll also include it in the show notes. All right, now let's get back to the show. Your third tip is to learn how to move forward with confidence. How can someone do this, especially if they lack confidence? Like, How can you build that up within yourself? Three words and I'll talk about this, but preparation, preparation, preparation. Preparation is going to set you up for success every time. Because what you're scared of, you're scared of what the feeling or the experience is going to be on the other side of whatever it is you're thinking about doing, right? So preparation means researching. So let's say Let's give the context of a situation. So maybe it's you're going to ask for a raise or promotion. Scary, just scary, right? But if you can do the research of, okay, what are people who are doing what I do? What's the salary range? And where am I at in that salary range? Researching about that and being prepared for what you want to ask for can be the thing that gives you the confidence to go in and have that conversation. Knowing what you want to say about it, having rehearsed it, whether it's in front of your own mirror, and I give this to my clients a lot, like go in the mirror and talk to yourself, working it out live or with a friend or a colleague or a mentor, being able to practice saying, or asking for whatever it is that you want to say or ask for, practicing it, getting past the nerves, getting past the um, anxiety that's brought on by the fear, right? Taking the emotion out of it. You know, sometimes we go into situations where we're wanting to ask for something or propose something and it's brought out of emotion because you, you know, you're not feeling like enough or maybe you've been slighted. But if you can take the emotion out of it and just come in with the facts from your research and know that you've done the work to defend whatever it is you're going to ask for, these are things that help you to go into this situation with confidence. And I think the last piece is 
to reflect on the last time that you did something hard or made a hard ask. We've all been through hard things. We've all done hard things, but we forget it because our culture is just go, 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 right? It's like hustle, grind, achieve, 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 and achieve some more, but not taking time to reflect on how did I actually get here? How did I actually get past that hurdle? How did I, how did I move past that hard thing? Going back and reflecting on times where you have asked for or done something hard and knowing that, okay, if I did that, I can do this. I mean, everyone knows we've mentioned this before, but this is where the work journal can be so helpful. And I would say earmark the pages where you write in your journal, I did a hard thing and it went well so that you have those like confidence pages or smile files that people will keep on their desktop. I know for Career Contessa, we have a Slack channel that's basically just, you know, we call it testimonials, but it's like anytime people say really positive things. I think all of that is really important to your point, Kia, we move on so quickly. We forget what we do that is positive. And like you can get a hundred good reviews, one bad review. And the one that you will remember word for word is the bad review. And so it's it's definitely a cultural yeah. thing that we've got to change. But if we know this about ourselves, we can put steps and plans in place to to stop that. I think that is a really, really good tip. And I know that confidence is, it's a tricky topic because I also think that this is one of those ongoing, like people might be able to relate to this where like one day you're super confident, especially I feel like in COVID, you can have those days where you're like, I am killing it today. I did all the things. And then you have days where you just really lack and and, and, like motivation. And I think you can easily drop kick to like, I'm so lazy. I should be doing more and being hard on yourself. That that self-talk is also part of that confidence cycle. So I think those those are really, really good points. So I just want to recap Kia's three tips for confronting fear-based thoughts. So number one was the importance of getting clear on what you're afraid of. And remember, like being able to name it specifically is very helpful. Number two is the outcomes to consider before taking action. So the positive outcomes and the negative ones. And number three is learn how to move forward with confidence, which was narrowed down to three words, which is really one word, but preparation, preparation, preparation. Kia, these are amazing tips. Thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing it. I I think fear is, is is a very popular topic right now. This is really helpful. Thank you. I'm I'm glad that these were helpful and it was my pleasure to talk through them. And yes, fear is ever present. It never goes away. We just, we have to learn how to deal with it differently. Yeah, people will have to listen to this episode yeah, once a quarter. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review. We absolutely love hearing from you all. And a major thing we know scares most people is their elevator pitch. That's why we've created a free worksheet called Master Your Personal Pitch, where we walk you through with examples how to deliver a concise yet impressive elevator pitch. You can download that for free in the show notes. And a big thank you to Kia Myers-Dugan for sharing her time and wisdom today. Don't forget that Kia is one of our career coaches on Career Contessa and you can work with her directly one-on-one. We've linked to Kia's personal website so you can learn more about what she does as also the life and career coach, but also to her Career Contessa coaching page in the show notes. So be sure to check that out.